Clay, Star Trek heard our cries in our Enterprise Season 3 wrap-up where we talked about WWE mm. for about 15 minutes at the end of that episode. Check that out if you missed it. And they gave us they gave us a wrestler in this one. The third the third wrestler in Star Trek history, the second from Enterprise. The Rock was in Voyager before all of this happened, but we've had- Who who was the other wrestler in Enterprise? That was going to be my bit of trivia. He's in Broken Bow. I don't know if you remember. It's not a. It's not a wrestler that oh, we would remember. Yeah, uh, that's. He wasn't really a wrestler. <laughs> he was. He played a wrestler in a movie, but he was not actually a wrestler. Tiny. It's Tiny Tony, right? Tiny Tony Lister. Tiny Lister. Tiny yeah. Lister. Yeah. yeah. So, he was in. Uh, he was the bad guy in in No Holds Barred, and he did like I think two matches but was not a wrestler and uh, was carried very heavily through the matches by Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage. Well, he's on the memory alpha, so he is a wrestler. I'm sorry that you're incorrect about that. Um, but he's, I mean, he was in a wrestling match, so I guess technically he Donald was a Donald Trump's yes. a wrestler. Then this guy can be a wrestler yeah. too, Clay. Uh, big Show's in this one. He's credited as the Big Show too, and you, there's no way that you yep. can't see the credit for the Big Show roll up and around. I don't know his real name, but I assume it's not Big Show. Paul, it's Paul White, I believe. Paul White. He's here as unnamed Orion Slave Trader. Slave Trader number one as, is his <laughs> official credit, so they couldn't even give him a he name. Looks, he looks like Shrek. He does look like Shrek, He's, yeah. He looks like Shrek. There's no way to get around. He looks like Shrek wearing, like, LARPing armor. Yeah. <laughs> Better or worse Orions than uh, the latest season of Discovery, where they look like mannequins. <sighs> That's a tough call. Uh... Maybe this is better for the the main portion of it. The Orions are a, a, a segment of this episode. And maybe there's sure. something we can talk about about the recent trend to include orions and in everything because they're in everything at this point for sure some reason. yeah so let's do that let's um we didn't do the clips anymore so let's just get into what the statistics the metadata about this episode is this is borderland it's the fourth episode of the fourth season it came out on october 29th 2004 it is one of three in the soon augments arc one of nine in the augments arc overall Written by Ken Lezebnik, directed by David Livingston. In-universe dates is May 17, 2154. In this episode, Archer needs the help of a criminal to prevent war with the Klingons. Part one of three. So we're entering what season four is going to be about Enterprise, where they have these mini trilogy or double episodes to flesh out storylines. This one is going to be one of three. Uh, they don't call them all the same title, but they are one continuous story for the next three episodes. And they'll do that a couple of times before the season wraps up. That's kind of the way that this season is going to work on Enterprise. Uh, but here we are with Borderland. We get a new Soong brother. We get a Taste of Orion slave trades. We get some intergalactic political machinations. But what did you think in general about mm-hmm. Borderlands? Well, boy, am I happy to find out there are nine more episodes involving these fucking guys. Well, the, the, to be uh, fair, that's inclu- the Augments arc includes Khan, the movies. It includes any space. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what, that's oh, okay. what that is talking Never mind about. Then. Yeah. Okay, because uh, I thought that stuff with the Augments was some of the worst writing I've ever seen on this show. Um, well, hey, they're, they're, th- I, this is a- they're better than humans in every way possible except for acting capability. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 
You know, this was a really weird episode it is weird. for me because it feels it's it's the first episode of a of a, like a trilogy of episodes, but it kind of feels like it should be the second episode or something because mm-hmm. they just kind of dump you in to this story like the the um the reveal of I was first I was shocked that they didn't give Brent Spiner any kind of like interesting reveal uh or something be like hey we got brent spiner on the show he's just kind of there and they just kind of start talking to him about stuff and he's uh you mean that they bring in him jail in right for, at the starts like there's there's no character is going to be showing up and you're like who's this character and then he walks on stage it's, he's well just no just like no, like just even like anything interesting visually about how you're going to introduce this character it's oh. just like oh there he is it's it's him um but like even that character they just kind of start in on explaining what he's done in his backstory. And it's not super interesting to me. And all of the stuff on the, uh, augment Klingon ship is just really bad. Like soap opera writing with these characters that I don't care about. So all the stuff that they're saying means nothing to me. Um, I got, I was getting confused as to what actually the story of this episode was, Mm -hmm. Um, because of the Orion st- stop off where they, yeah, they go to the slave trade. Yeah. They're going after these guys, but then they spend the entire episode on the Orion slave planet. And I, I was confused as to how they got there. Cause I, I, I wasn't sure who showed up and started shooting the enterprise. If that was them in the Klingon ship or who steals, uh, do they steal the, the, the crew members? The Orion, Who steals the, the, the Orion ships are confusingly similar to the Klingon ships because they're green and somewhat bird-like. But they're those are the Orions who kidnap okay. the crew members. Yeah, yeah, I found that kind of confusing because I don't know why the Orions just randomly showed up and started stealing people. So um, the borderland <laughs> is the border between Orion territory and Klingon territory. So they go there mm-hmm. looking for the augments who are in. Klingon land, but they they think that they're in this area that they just tell us in this episode that borders Orion and Klingon territory. So they run I into see. both okay. ships in this episode. I yeah I I don't know that wasn't really tracking for me as as far as what exactly was going on or why they were doing this stuff. Um, this episode really kind of felt like an episode of Discovery to me. Uh, it it had the same kind of like structure and pacing as as a discovery episode, and felt very much like it was just doing a lot of stuff that was not. Um, <clears throat> there wasn't much character work going on. It was jumping around from store, like all of the augment stuff. I it was just seemed like I was watching the uh, the Romulan incestuous twins angle from Picard. Yep. Uh, with a little yeah, bit of more of a know. John Bon Jovi vibe to it, I think a little, a little, oh, bit, a yeah. little bit of hair yeah, metal nice going to, on in the background there. It's nice to see. It's nice to see that they they still even years and years before the original series or TNG, they all of the uh, rebels still wear nineteen um, eighties uh, <laughs> WWF rockers costumes. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what to think about this episode because like I didn't. Sung didn't land for me as a character. Um, I like they were going for this Hannibal Lecter thing, and it's like fine, but I don't really know why this guy is a big deal. I don't know. It just it it felt really incomplete to me. Like a lot of it felt like it was hacked down or something. I don't know. Hannibal Lecter in the sense that they have to use him to find what they're looking for. Is that what you mean? 
Yeah, like you know, you're bringing the bad guy onto the ship to to help you find because he's the only one that knows and blah blah blah. Yeah. I I don't know. That stuff just wasn't really landing for me. I watched this episode with Amy just by coincidence, and she was completely befuddled by what was going on. And yeah. what what yeah. I thought was interesting was that the things that I most like about this episode or the only things that I think about are stuff that no one unfamiliar with this material will pick up on. So I, Mm -hmm. like, for instance, I think that the bringing in another Soong, but playing him very similar to the other family members of the Soong family that we've run into, which is that they're trying to sort of build a better human, right? They bring in one that's tied into the Khan storyline, which is kind of fascinating to me. Like, that's a good idea to do, and it's a good idea to have a Soong family member do that, be a kind of a mad scientist who's into genetic manipulation and stuff like that. It's a different version of building an android that Noonien Soong would do in the future <coughs> as his version of yeah. what it is. And we've talked about in um, TNG when the Soong, when Noonien Soong was in an episode... He's a very strange character that TNG wasn't willing to comment on. He builds androids in his image, right, that he thinks are perfect Mm -hmm. humans, and he builds copies of himself and gives them different personalities and gives them sort of whimsical fantasy names and is more of like a magical sorcerer than a true scientist in a lot of sense. And so I think his name is Arik. Arik Soong in this one is an argument in favor of genetic manipulation. And... Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is kind of fascinating that this family is doing all this stuff. And the other thing is that the Augments are clearly Khan's people. And that's not really made explicitly clear. And if you don't know who Khan is, then that doesn't make any sense whatsoever in Amy's sense. So I thought that the the schism between the two of us, where she was like, what the fuck is that? What are they talking about in this episode? And me going, wow, I'm surprised that they're not clearing up any of this for anybody. This is a show that's in its fourth season is just going, fuck it. We're doing it for the fans. That's what we're going to do at this point. Like, I'm not, sure, I'm not writing sure. to explain anything. And I think it's actually a criticism of this episode. And I'm curious if they continue to do this where they start writing Enterprise just for fans of the material. And they're like, we don't need to explain what's going on here. This is all going to be fine. And of course, this is a, a three-parter. They may very well in the next episode explain all of this stuff, and they just made you wait until sure. they got to it. But I think for people unfamiliar with the material, a little bit of explanation and a little bit less of the Orion slave trade market would have gone a long way for this one, I think, to make it a better, more appealing I, episode. I would like to say that after five years of doing this podcast, I would like to consider myself as familiar with the material, and I had no fucking clue what was going on. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. <laughs> like, I knew that he was, he was, I knew that it was Brent Spiner out of makeup, so it was a Soong character. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was a different one. Like, I, oh, you I, thought like, that it was didn't new, even you occur to me. <laughs> Did you think it was the new I don't, I didn't even know. I, like, I didn't even know. He's played, he's played that character like eight different times, yeah. and it's always just him. And so I, I didn't know who this guy was in relationship to the guy who built data in relationship to the guy who was running the planet in Picard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, whether or not those were all the same character. I couldn't remember if they were the same character. <laughs> I had to or refresh or myself. Noonien, the, the guy from Picard is Noonien Soong's son, son, which I didn't remember, but that's the relationship there. Sure. This is, Noon, <laughs> okay. this is Noonien's grandfather or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's just the older version. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like I didn't, 
I wasn't tracking. I, like I, I knew the name obviously, and I knew it was Brent Spiner, so I knew he and I kind of understood what the character was a bit. But like, yeah, I didn't. I wasn't. It was they were just they were giving a lot of exposition that was not really explained because like they were talking about the augmented people and stuff. And did you make the connection they, to they the augments who they were supposed to be? Yeah, yes. I didn't. I didn't draw the line directly to Khan. Yeah, but Archer said something along the lines of like, uh, you know, the, the the last the last time they they tried to do that, it went really poorly for the humans or some shit. Yeah, yeah. basically implying the genetic the eugenics war, right? Which has <clears> happened. Which, which is not something. Point. Yeah, right. Which is not something you would know if you are unfamiliar with the, the material. Yep, and. Like I got the reference, but I didn't draw a line directly to Khan because I mean, I don't know who's out there doing eugenic stuff. It could yes. be more than just Khan. It could be other well, people. I, I, don't I don't think these are. So these, I don't, I don't think these are. I'm pretty sure these are not people who fought in the eugenics war because these were embryos no. that were frozen after right. that had happened. So it's it's the same process, right. but they like Khan isn't going to walk in the door at one of these times. Right. I, I don't think. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh. But yeah. It, yeah it was i found it like i I didn't find it so confusing that i couldn't watch the episode but i didn't really particularly enjoy it i i just i i would agree that i think my major problem with it was that the slave trade stuff feels like it's so important that it should be tied into the narrative in in some way but it's really just a side quest that they have to go on to like to it, it kills a little bit of time and it's just this kind of from the show's perspective, it's like, let's bring on the Orions who haven't been seen at this point since TOS. So this was kind of like a major thing to bring back this old race. And they'd never seen male Orions, apparently, in the series. It was only females that you had seen up to this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was like kind of a fleshing out of their species, I guess. It, it, it matters not for the episode. It's more interesting in a Trek history kind of way. But in terms of what it does to the episode, it just makes it seem extremely disjointed. And maybe it's just the fact that we haven't recorded an Enterprise in a while, but I was like, why are they still at Earth? I was like, oh, right, the ship just got fixed. <laughs> like it's, it's that. that was my my favorite part of the episode is after uh, Archer goes to talk to Sung and they have to go on this mission. They cut to the bridge of the ship and everybody's wearing like vacation wear. Yes, yeah. Got to go like, back. They're, out they're all boys. wearing stuff like yeah. They they just they just got pulled from the uh, from the the Jamaican timeshare they were staying at to uh, to come back to the ship. Are you? You know, I went to Jamaica once. <laughs> and, uh, no, <laughs> Archer asked for nine kilos of the tartar sauce. Uh, the trip's only got <laughs> and 16. he just he just left it there. He just left it there. He wouldn't eat it because they didn't have the tartar sauce. Um, are you noticing? Yeah, are, are you? No, I'm. I'm really noticing the difference in production at this point. I feel like every other shot is a close up of somebody's face in these new seasons. Yeah, they do a lot of lots close-ups. of close ups. Yeah, like that was another thing that I found distracting was like after after that after the scene where people get abducted, they do this hard cut close up to Archer where he goes, nine people were taken from the ship." And then they cut away to Sung. And I didn't even realize they were in the same room together right, yeah. until they cut back to that close-up on Archer again. So I was just... I, <laughs> the, This episode just felt really strange to me and very disjointed. Like, it... it not to move away from the, uh, <clears throat> the production No, it's thing, fine. We, like, we've talked about it for a long it time. It was... I could not believe that the entire half of the episode they spend with the augments is just this... 
stupid uh, power play mute mu- mutiny power play thing. Yeah. Like I, I don't give a shit about any of these characters. It's true, <laughs> and they're spending all this time with with these these people in this power play and acting very very poorly. And uh, so that's why I was so confused by the Orion thing because I was like, why don't you have the the augments be the ones that steal the people and sell them to the Orions. At least tie these things together somehow. Sure. Instead of, you know, I I don't know. It was just, it was so, the two things they were doing were so disparate that I couldn't, it was, it was stopping me from tracking what was going on with the episode because they were not connected whatsoever until the end. You, you were... like, if the stuff they were... You were unaware that this was a trilogy at the time you were watching it, right? I think you texted me after you'd after you'd watch. You, you were aware because it said to be continued, and you're like, "Oh, there's another episode of this." But you were you under the impression that how are they going to wrap this up in the next five minutes, kind of thing? No, okay. I I remembered previously that you said most of them were two parters, mm-hmm. so I I was as as it was rolling, and I was like, "Okay, this is not going to wrap up." I assumed it was a, the first half of a two part. I didn't realize it was a three part. Yeah, though. okay. Yeah, I I mean, so the augment thing, the the entire purpose of the augment storyline just seems to be to demonstrate that they have some sort of attachment to the way that their father, who they call father Soong, would do things. So it seems to be a kind of like um loyalty test for Soong basically mm-hmm. to establish that. I'm not really sure I need 17 minutes to do that. Really? No, like, it seems no. fairly clear-cut. Even if you just have the last scene where they pick him up and they want to rescue him, and the re- reveal at that point is that he was their creator, is like, oh, there's a little bit, like, that's kind of all I need to go on there, knowing what the Soongs are up to. And, it, and you can just kind of assume, basically, based on the way that Spiner plays Soong here, that something is is up in that regard. I just, it's way too much time. I did like them hijacking the Klingon ship. I thought that was kind of neat. Like that's mm-hmm. the best, some of the best Enterprise action I've ever seen. Even though it does rely a lot on uh, demonstrating strength by when you kick somebody, they fly like fifty feet through the air, which I always think is kind of funny. Yeah, uh, JG yeah. Hertzler is there in his final Star Trek appearance as the Klingon commander. Yeah, that was another thing. What a waste of that guy. <laughs> well, he's, it's okay. I heard the voice. <laughs> I heard the voice and I was like, "Oh, good! I'm I'm psyched to see him again." And then he just gets killed. Well, it's also jettisoned into space because he's been in Enterprise already. So if you've been watching, you're like, "Why is that lawyer guy on this ship? Like, what's 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 going on here?" And then he dies, and they they shoot him into space, as you say. Yeah, that's his final appearance, though. Um, So in terms of the augment, well. I don't think there's a lot to say about the augment stuff. It's terribly acted, terribly written, and I don't think it needs all the time that it needs to get what it does accomplished. Would you agree? Do you think there's anything mm-hmm. to add to it? No, I don't think so. I think Soong is more interesting. Um, first off, yes, yeah. In a in a general sense, Brent Spiner is one of the weirdest actors I think in the world. I think he's very strange. <laughs> I think that the fact that he is responsible for one of the greatest character creations in Star Trek and probably beyond that into like a sci-fi genre or however far you want the ripples of this wave to go with his portrayal of Data. It's amazing to me that his greatest character is the complete opposite of how he plays literally every other role. Every other role, he's just this like hammy lore character. Any show he does, any other character on Star Trek, it's a completely over-the-top like... 
emotions on his sleeve, uh, smirking at everything kind of performance. And it makes Data stand out so... He just... He must have just had incredible focus to be like, don't do anything that you think is the right choice while you're playing this character. Just completely button it down. It really brings the data performance out. And it also, um, in some ways, just makes Spiner seem even stranger. Because I guess to tie into this episode, I don't think the way that he plays this soon is the right approach to play soon. I think that this soon is too much of a lore character and he should have a, he should have a better point and be more of a decent seeming person. I think. Yeah. Um, I, I do wonder if the reason that he does that is because he is fighting data so badly that he wants to just like, do the the polar opposite every time yeah um yeah i i i agree i don't think that this is the right characterization because he comes off as kind of like a mad scientist evil character he comes off as he comes off right from the get-go he he has ulterior he comes off like hannibal lecter Yeah, yeah yeah and uh where where he was doing what he was doing for what he thought was the betterment of mankind, not because he's an insane person with a God complex, although he's probably that too. But. Right. That I, that seems to be the way that they're going to go with it. It's it's more of a, because it, it, he ends the episode by saying, let's go rescue your brothers and sisters. So he's adopted this kind of like father persona, like a God creator right. character. Yeah. I just, it, I think it just goes to the lengths that Enterprise doesn't really, continues to not really like to touch on subjects because he has a point here when he's talking to Archer about like, you know, your father died because I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to do this genetic research and like think of all the suffering that this has caused by not being allowed to do this kind of research because people are scared of what happened in the past with the eugenics war. He has a point. I'm really annoyed that they spent so long in the Orion market that they can't talk to the soon character. And I would have had him be much more of a sympathetic less of a plotting Machiavellian character right from the get-go, have him be someone who is almost wrongfully imprisoned, right? Like this is a, it's an earth that's overreacting to his genetics research and he's done good things for people. He's shown this incredible progress in his research. They come in and destroy his work every day, he says in the jail cell and stuff like that. And I think that Spiner's performance is not right. You get, you know, right from the start that he's not a good guy. And I think that really undermines Mm -hmm. him as an interesting and, um, like uh, appealing character, someone that you can get behind and be like, oh, what's this guy's thing? And like, what's the conflict between him and Archer going to be eventually? Yeah. Yeah, I think that first scene with him is actually really, really great, uh, at least the way it's written, for the way that they um, present him as someone who is imprisoned for, for, you know, these reasons that he thinks is wrongful. And that line about, the fact that they're destroying his research should be like, he should be like, it should be sad. Yeah. Because he's like, he's this brilliant mind who is not allowed to do anything because of, you know, what may or may not have happened in the past with this kind of stuff. And now they're just throwing away research that would save the earth or save humanity or whatever. Like that's, I feel like that is kind of more of the, the, the characterization is sort of like, He's he's not mad about it so much as he is sad that it's all going to waste, sort of. Right, and you can he can see they might tie this in, but he sees the kids as the sort of ultimate 
accomplishment of his career, his life's work is this, like, this is the outcome that we've created this kind of a thing. Um, it's it's, it's tough because I do love the fact that it's a soon family member and Spiner's the only one who can do that because they've already played so many identical people all look (laughs) exactly the same and it's played by this guy. So it makes total sense to bring him in. It's just that bad aspect of his acting capability that he doesn't he has no middle ground between data and lore characters. There's no right, grounded right. soon. I guess the older soon in Picard, but honestly, I think that he's grounded only because he doesn't do anything. And I don't even know why he's in the, the show whatsoever at that point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he doesn't yeah. really have a chance to extend, but he doesn't, if they had just taken that guy's personality from Picard and put him into this, I think that it's a better match for the material here and less of a, as you're saying, Hannibal Lecter, bring him to the slave market. He's the only one who can know. Oh, he of course, he betrays Archer. Archer gets him back in kind of a funny little bit where he does the handcuffs over and over again to sort of stop him from getting away. But didn't, yeah, it didn't. I don't know. I just I expected more from it, and it didn't deliver on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I, that was also. What was kind of distracting me a bit is the is that in the show they are treating him as though he is just this like intense flight risk and this mastermind that you can't let near a computer and all this kind of stuff, and which is I guess that's fine, but I just didn't I don't think that they did anything to really make you make that worth anything or make you or earn any of that stuff. It's just talking about how he likes to escape. Yeah. And talking about how one time he, you know, uh rewired the data pad so all the all the cell doors yeah. opened or some shit. Like he's really he he's he's invented cures for diseases and uh genetically engineered superhumans, but he's really proud of the fact that he rewired the cell doors from a from a data pad. He's a little bit of a trickster. A little bit of he likes he likes to play jokes on people. It's that kind of a like whimsical Trixie Sung thing. Yeah, I guess. like I think that's the thing. I think the 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 whimsical trickster aspect of it isn't landing with me because it seems like he should be someone who's more uh, dedicated to his own his own research kind of thing. Yeah, and, and less he's just gonna fuck with people and and uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I guess that I guess what's interesting is that it doesn't seem to be the show's intent because I don't think that. I think the way that you would strengthen Soong is to have the augments be better. And I, I, from watching those augment scenes, I really get the sense that the choices there are intentional. That's way too many bad actors in there to have it not be some sort of like <laughs> uh, conscious choice as to what they were doing. And down to the, the script writing for them is heightened like, I loved you. Will you turn on him with me? And it's like, why are they talking like this? Like, I, I would expect the, unless they're, are they trying to do a, um, Wrath of Khan type performance with those guys to make know. them thematically match what, uh, they do in with Khan later on? I wish, I wish Sue had been like, you know, Jonathan. They may be superhuman in many ways, but oh, they love theater and they're so bad. <laughs> that one, yeah. one piece of genetic code I just can't alter is their, <laughs> just, their performance. You know, 
Nothing, nothing, there's no such thing as a free lunch, and one thing had to give, and uh, <laughs> the Shakespeare gene just didn't, just didn't, didn't transmit, translate. Jonathan, um, I wrote a bot that would give IMDb ratings of 10 stars to every single bad movie out there, just to cancel them out, <laughs> that kind of a thing. I hear, I hear you stole a data pad and fed it a thousand hours of, of Tim Burton movies. And then it wrote one and the AI had to AI write one and it was hilarious. Yes. I'm actually quite, quite proud of that little, that little number. Is that the intent? Um, are, yeah, are they supposed to be bad to, to, I don't know. Yeah. Is it intent it's, that they're bad? Uh, like they're all bad. They're all very bad, which is, you know, this is late enough in TV where you could have an episode where not everyone would be bad in there in that role you know <laughs> sure yeah yeah this is one of those episodes where it's like the third the third uh ranked um augment is like a young daniel craig or something right. like yes, that exactly. it's like oh he's just this is when he's doing tv oscar isaac because <laughs> makes appearances yeah, unnamed oscar yeah, isaac, yeah. yes yeah <laughs> uh yeah i don't know i don't i i honestly don't know um and like it doesn't help that the material like I feel like if the material was was less ridiculous, they might not have stood out as being so bad at it. It's true. But the material is 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 just it's so much reminds me of Picard, of that Romulan side plot. Even the way like they're talking to each other and then they violently push each other against the wall yeah. and start kissing and then they're like, Not now. <laughs> it's just it all like it it all had the same that same like kind of trying to be edgy and sexy but it's just kind of coming off as weird yes uh yeah. and trying too hard yeah it maybe this is a backdoor pilot for an augment show and it just never really landed i'm sure we'll have more of the augments coming up let's talk about um to paul to paul gets a commander ship in starfleet this episode has a couple conversations with trip about he's asking if she goes got, he's asking if she got she got what she was looking for on her honeymoon. <laughs> Trip doesn't get. Trip those doesn't get an conversations. <laughs> those conversations were hilarious because every single one of them, I think there was two or maybe three, uh, involved involved them getting two words into the conversation and then something exploded yeah. and stopped them from talking. Yeah. Can't get it done. Can't talk about the honeymoon. We'll see where that goes. And the other thing is. Uh, she gets kidnapped and is in the Orion prison camp. Really highlighting to me, they have no idea what to do with the fact that she can't control her emotions anymore. It, all it's done is freeze up to Paul to be scared in those situations. And that doesn't add anything interesting to those angles, really. Um, oh, I didn't even... I didn't even notice that. Was she supposed to be scared in that situation? I mean, she, she's acting extremely emotional. I assume that's a play on the fact that she can't control her emotions anymore at this point because of the space oh, I crack. I honestly didn't even notice it because oh. I mean, she was she was uh, uh, trying to talk down Ensign, yeah, Ensign panic the shoemaker there, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And but and so like she was the calm one compared to him. So I I wasn't. I, it didn't even occur to me that she no, was. Yeah, I was getting, I was getting heavy. Of, she's anxious character. vibes off of him being anxious. Like that seemed like that was the performance that was coming through, and she's oh, controlling it. I just, it, there's no point to this storyline or character development because what makes them interesting is 
not doing that. You know, they just, they just become another bland human character if you just make them scared of stuff. But mm-hmm. you don't have to talk about that. Any thoughts about any of uh, T'Pol's activities during this episode? It's really just the commander, Trip, and then getting captured. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious when Big Show picked her up like a toy. Yes, I know. <laughs> I assume they did it twice, and I was looking for wires, yeah. and I didn't see any wires. And I, I don't doubt that he couldn't, that he could just do that. I mean, she probably weighs like 108 pounds or yeah, something. Yeah, this photo is of him doing it to the director on Memory Alpha, the same thing. So he went, oh, really? I, was, I think yeah. he was just going around picking people up and waving them around like that. So, which is yeah. what his, it is his license to do that if you're seven feet tall and 300 pounds or whatever. Um, I don't have much else to say about her, really. No one else has anything to do in this episode. Um, I I continue. I do like. I did like the stuff with Trip. Uh, they are. Like I I was joking about it a minute ago. How every time they tried to talk, they got like a one sentence in, and then something exploded. I hope they don't keep doing that because I think you can get away with doing that like once. Yeah, but. Uh, if they're if they're just going to keep hedging everything by never having them have a chance to talk in a very inorganic way, I think that's going to get tiresome. But I do I do like the awkwardness between them and and stuff and yeah, you know she they do that thing that she did last season that I think worked to soften her character with him where she said where uh, she takes a minute to actually honestly answer the question where yes. she's like, we don't have honeymoons. I went, I got, went and meditated and stuff like that. Like that, that still works, I think, but hopefully they, they find something else to better to do with them. Yeah. Before. Hopefully it develops into something. I, I mean, it will, I would have to assume because I can't see it just continuing like this for a little bit. Um, on the, on the explosions, uh, it's another production thing. I think the explosions and stuff look better in digital than on film. Yeah when they do it. I, th- I think the, the explosions and the special effects look improved this season to me for some reason. Um, I feel like they're almost recognizing it and they're going overboard because like, I feel like every episode this season has had the consoles blowing up constantly and there's a mm-hmm. lot of exploding mm-hmm. consoles on the show now. Um, I don't know. Did you, do you notice that? Like I, I feel even the, um, the ship CGI looks better. Things look clearer in, yeah. in that stuff. Yeah. yeah it looks pretty, it looks pretty solid. The uh, the um, the explosions. I think they are like packing extra shit into those special effects or something because there were there were more open flame fireballs f- blasting out of things in this episode than I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, you get one out of the wall and then you get one at uh, Reed's station. Yep. The, the the panel doesn't just like spark <laughs> and smoke. Like a fireball comes out of it. It's got no eyebrows after it's over. Yeah, I, I like the way the show looks in the fourth season. Um, it does look daytime soap opera-y. Like, it has that digital look to it. But I I think it's impacting the direction and the choices they're making and making it look a little bit less... It's moved away from the generic 90s Star Trek look in a lot of ways. I feel it looks different. Sure. It's a different kind of yeah. show. It, people, I think people might make the argument that it looks like a CW UPN show a little bit more at this point, which is maybe not something that you ultimately want to go in that direction. But I, I think it helps to give it um, a distinction from the other shows, at least. So I can't really complain about that. I think it's it's interesting. I don't, I, I don't know how much more I'll have to say about how the show looks at this point, but it, it does seem like it's changed since the previous seasons, even if they are over close-up action shots and stuff like that. Mm. Um, you know, 
I actually think it looks a little bit less like a UPN show mm-hmm. than it used to. Um, <clears throat> because when I think about the the UPN era Star Trek shows like like this and and uh, the later was all was all of Deep Space Nine on UPN? No, Voyager was on UPN. <clears throat> Deep Space Nine also was, right, at some point? It might. As DS9 was syndicated. I don't know if it was on UPN as a uh, first-run syndication. I think, all right, maybe they played, maybe they did. They might do repeats, yeah. Um, but I, I always pick, I always, in those in my mind, those shows are always a lot softer, mm-hmm. uh, lighting-wise, and just like everything kind of blends together a little bit more. Yeah. And this season it seems like the lighting is a lot more stark than it has been in the past yeah it's a, cl- a it's lot a, more uh, heavy shadows it's a clean image like when i have to do the thumbnail work for the podcast i'm like oh all these Im- all these still images look pretty good like they look they there's a clean image to them that is nice and uh different from looking at like klingon episodes of ds9 where it's like this is a lot of mud this is a, just a picture of mud yeah. that i'm looking at uh before we go to our final thoughts any thoughts about the orions Whatsoever, I guess we kind of teased at the start. They've been playing with the Orions a lot since Enterprise. Discovery has them, I think. Picard certainly has them. Um, or is that the other way around? Discovery certainly has them. Other, Picard, other way around. Picard yeah. might have them. Um, to me, they feel... The impression that I get from Enterprise onward, why they would use the Orions is that they're a species that kind of lines up with what I think has changed in the franchise over the decades, which is that they, they're no longer really super interested in forming a nuanced look of what a culture looks like for an alien race. They're like, these are the slavers. They act sure. like slavers. And they've done that in every single episode of the show that they've come along. They're a long way from the Cardassians, right? Which is like military junta, overtakes the civilian command. It becomes a military dictatorship. The civilians are starving back home on earth, but the military is like, we have to keep conquering. We have to keep, we have to, we have nothing. We've stripped our own planet. So empty of resources, we have to annex other planets and then take their resources for us. There's like a, there's like a culture to, to the older species and things. even the Borg, the Borg have like this little hierarchy and they, they bring the queen in for better or worse. The later track series are really just feel like they've gone back onto the TOS thing of, the species just has a trait and their thematic relevance is just how they line up with that trait of the thing that we all know about them. So these are slavers and slavers are bad guys and they're going to be the generic bad guy. Anything more than that to them? Do you think I'm way off base or you think that they have done better work in the, the recent stuff or is this just uh, am I missing the depth of the Orions here? No, they've been pretty one note across everything. Um, I think, Tendi on Lower Decks is probably the most interesting one because she does talk about um, the other elements of of, of the Orion culture and yep. that it's not just all slaves and slave girls and stuff. <clears throat> and um, they tried to do some... I think they tried to do something interesting with uh, the honcho, head honcho from Discovery where she was you know, trying to actually cut deals and stuff sure. but at, at the at the end of the day she was still just like a mustache twirling bad guy for the most part so yeah i don't i don't know they're they're um i think they're they're one of those races that is underdeveloped 
but also recognizable. So you can always just kind of throw them in and have people go, oh, cool, the Orions. And just, you know, you don't really need to do anything with them other than just have them show up yeah. for a couple scenes. Yeah. I I mean, I guess you could compare them to like the TOS Klingons, right? But I feel like the Klingons in TOS had at least a Cold War analogy going on. There's like, you know, you, you kind of... You kind of see them as competing empires. I don't know what the Orions mm-hmm. really is supposed to represent uh, there. Right. Like, yeah. I just don't think that they do anything. And in a lot, like, I think Tendi is an attempt to change that because, you know, here it's just the Orion women are sold as sex slaves. And it's like, the, it's because that's all you knew from TOS is like the women have to be sexy and they have to be green skinned. And that's how right, the species right. is defined. And so there's just not a lot of. There's not a lot of ways to go with that. And even if you do Tendi is kind of like, we're not all like that. It's it's almost a joke for Tendi, really, because of how undeveloped the, the species is to have her be the one exception to the rule or to say that there are other exceptions. is The joke almost there is to say, we're not all exactly like every, what everyone knows of this this group. There's not much else I have mm-hmm. to say about the Orions. I don't really like them. I don't I don't think they're worth bringing back all the time. Yeah, I mean, for the number of times they've brought them back, there's not really, haven't really flushed them out that much. Um, yeah, I would say, like, I think, I think you're right in, in that, like, even the TOS uh, Klingons have more, you, you know, you learn more about what their, what their ethos is and their culture is and, and stuff like that. And uh, even the Romulans, who you only see a couple times, yeah. are more interesting. The, the Orions, the Orions, they've just never really, They've never really made any attempt, really, to uh, to flesh them out. Yeah, they're just kind of a. Um, they're like a combination of Klingon and Ferengi, right? Without the annoyances of being yeah. a Ferengi who are only after the money, and the, but they can also fight like Klingons. So it's like a. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just not. It, it, well, I mean, the, at least too middling for either of them. It, at least the Ferengi. Like I think, I think the way to compare them to show them how thinly they're drawn is all of those other species. If you take a Cardassian or a Klingon or a Ferengi or a Romulan and take them out of that their habitat, there is a way that they will act, and there are things that they will do that right. are definably those species. Points of view that they'll the have Orions, about things. Yeah, yeah. With the Orions, what does an what's an Orion like? If you take them away from the slave camp, yeah, you know? I just picture them wanting I, I, the to fight only, to the, get back. That's that's all. Yeah, yeah. The only one we know of is Tendi, and her <laughs> thing is, well, we're not all like that, <laughs> so it's 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 a moot point anyway. Yeah, that's true. All right, we'll just wrap it up then. So, thank you everybody for listening to the show. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. You enjoyed our coverage of Borderlands. If you did, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. It's the best way to support the show. It's much appreciated. A couple of dollars a month to get extra stuff, extra podcasts, extra polls about what we cover, secret Patreon things. There's access to the special channel on the Discord. If you're a captain, you get early access to the podcast if you're a captain in that channel. That's where I post them. And as always, a special thank you to our captain tier supporters, Tark Latif, Samuel Custer, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Andrew Sherlock, Matthew Ross, Michael Pond, Christian Patrick, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergey, Grim Santos, Sean, Bradley Kilmans, Bradley Howells, Brandon Howells, Dwayne Hackett, 
Vault 13, The Hero, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Russell O, Stefan Minton, HH28, Darth Mosk, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Poindexter G, Patrick Siba, Dave Davies, Johnny Franceschi, Mike Harris, Captain Brazen, Eric Sanchuan, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Lowry, Corey Martin, Wim Scheisler, Rahan Jafford, Nick the Rat, Desbretta, Edmark Starr, Soylent Blues, A Majors, Olivier Pardue, Grapple John Zorn, Retail, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunter, ZWNF Remixes, Captain Munchausen, James McLennan, Beal, Jonas, Tommy Tango, Two Vicks Must Die, Dennis Seyfert, Chris McLaughlin, Mutilated Puppet. Thank you very much, everybody, for supporting the show. And now we'll go to our patron comments. Patrons get to leave their comments about the episodes, and we read them on the podcast and react to them. Macabanus Adley says, Borderland, a disappointing come down after the fantastic episode Home. They took the concept of what could have been a fascinating moral quandary and made it boring as hell by turning the augments into a caricature of toxic masculinity. Two geniuses named Soong out of five. How do you define toxic you know, masculinity? Funny. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what the phrase means, really, I don't think. Because there's like a medical definition, but the medical definition is fucking stupid. Um, so I never know what people mean by it. Would I call them toxically masculine? I don't know what the point of the augments are in this, actually. <laughs> like, I don't know. Because I don't know. They like to fight each other. Um but they they kind of act like Klingons on a Klingon ship. That's how the Klingons act with each other. I was I was just going to say that actually. Yeah, that if they if they were in Klingon Klingon makeup, it would be no different. They, no different, yeah. Yeah. It actually would probably be better, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of, a little bit at of least you can kind of Yeah, at least you can overact through some heavy makeup or whatever and you've got the oh the Klingons are kind of intense people kind of thing backing you up yeah. instead of just being uh, summer stock rejects I interrupted you were you going to say something after that comment I was actually going to that's what I was going to say it's the thing about the Klingons oh the Klingons yeah okay gotcha yeah that is it's interesting um, I'm not sure if it means anything Matthew Ross says Borderland I appreciate that producer Manicoto was trying to align the show with TOS to make Enterprise hue closer to what fans were looking for and complaining about after enduring the Zindi arc that said this episode I think had too much going with the Orions and the Augments obviously the upgraded Enterprise is still very weak and Archer not ordering a more aggressive defensive aggressive defensive stance was ridiculous the Augments with their feathered hair and just so ripped clothing kept reminding me of John Bon Jovi more than genetically enhanced humans Brent Spiner as an evil Dr. Soong writing on paper was interesting but to me a little lazy linking data to a line of evil scientists three very light Blaylocks out of five she's very light you know what they actually they look like um Queensryche from the Queen of the Reich video. Yeah. With That's the one exactly that, that was the one that we covered. Yeah. Um, with the, yes, the, yeah. the sci fi years in the future, <laughs> Empress, whatever has conquered the universe. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I do. Just in response to Matt's comment, I do want to stress I like the Soon thing. I wish they would do something more interesting than what they tend to do with it. TNG avoided the topic. Enterprise might have time because they have two episodes left with him. And. Picard, I don't know what the point of that soon was, just outside of just being a reference and a guy who knows how to build a golem. Lest we forget, Clay, I had to review uh, before this podcast, the season of Picard ended with Picard dying of his terminal disease and having his mind put into a robot body that was designed to die normally (laughs) in a normal human lifespan, effectively dodging the problem that Picard had. One of the more baffling creative decisions I think I've ever seen in any television. Or At movie. least have the balls to be like, he's immortal now. 
motherfuckers. Like, what are you going to do? Picard is around forever. Yeah. (laughs) Until Patrick Stewart dies. (laughs) I, oh my God. It's so, why, why? What, what is even the point of doing that? If you're just going to, if you're just going to not go all the way with it, like either kill him or don't, don't put him into a A body that's brain into a a body that's also going to die. He's going to die of natural causes. He was dying of natural causes. They just, he had a disease. (laughs) I don't know. It was absolutely mind, mind blowing. It was weird. Uh, Yarpy says, Welcome to the gratuitous fan service guest star. That being said, Brent Spiner is very good at, as Arik Soon. I mostly like to stuff with the augments and the augments being cast like this is a CW show works. And I've always liked Alec Newman. The costuming is a bit iffy, though. Four stars. I don't know if I would call that a fan service guest cast because, I mean, he's there's a story that he, they're telling. He, he fits, yeah. And he makes sense yeah. for the story. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like they just cast him as a... It's 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 less gratuitous fan casting than Rene Arbogenois was, you know? Yes. Or um, to keep the Picard metaphor, Jerry Ryan. Well, I guess that's different, though, because she's the character, right? So I guess Rene Arbogenois would be the good yeah. the good example from this one. Uh, was there any other? There was no other Star Trek recurring people on this, right? I don't think so. Um, <clears throat> not, I don't think, not humans anyway. Oh, I Ethan mean, Phillips a few... plays a uh, Ferengi. So the... Uh, Neelix from Voyager plays a Ferengi in the first season. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Sure. Uh, Kyle Barrett says, Borderland are part one of Hannibal Soon and his sexy CW augments with a spe- uh, special guest appearance by the compass Stephen King used in high school. This season of Enterprise <laughs> is all about humanity reaching for a better future, so it's quite apt for it to truly begin with an arc which questions humanity and its flaws by putting them into conflict with the engineered Ubermensch who believe that they are the future of the series species. Well, I do like the arc and the new structure of the season. I've always felt that this one could have been a two-parter without the unnecessary diversion to the Orion slave market. And with this episode, the NX-01 becomes my favorite ship interior of the franchise, mixing the tight naval feel with some much-needed added color from the new blue doors and carpet, although someone should have at least vacuumed. It's also worth noting that the Makos are still stationed on the ship, so long may your Balthazar Edison impression continue. Four cameos by J.G. Metzler out of five. <laughs> Did I call him Hertzler? Yeah, the, I forgot. I forgot about whose comment was that? That was Kyle's. Kyle Barrett. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um Yeah, I forgot the Makos were still there. They have just completely fallen into the background. They they were just another uh, more people to get punched in this episode. Yeah, another people to uh you know, I I I did like the scene. I don't know how effective it was, but I really like the idea of the Augment saying I'm going to take you hostage in two seconds, and no one is able that to stop good. him yes, from like doing that. it. I really thought that that was a great augment thing to do. Uh, very clever. Yeah, I did. I really didn't like him sort of groping Archer's, <laughs> Archer's throat and giving him like a larynx massage. I thought that that was unnecessary, but decided it's. I only thought of it because the uh, there's a Mako in that scene who is not quick enough on the draw to stop anything from happening, and that's their entire point in this. They also get shot when the uh, augments board the Enterprise. They're all standing in the hallway and get shot. Yep. Um, that's it for that comment. I I don't know if I could say that the NX01 becomes my favorite interior. I do like the way it looks. It's it's kind of the clean now, I guess. Or it's more defined. Mm-hmm. Like I can see stuff more easily on it. It doesn't just look like a yeah. wall of gray that I think the previous seasons had. So I'm all for that. I like lights. <laughs> 
Next comment. What was uh what was the reason that they they made sure to <laughs> after after they got all of the uh cobalt or something they had on the ship to use to buy the ensign back, which I guess that's just gone now because they just actually paid money for him. Yeah. Uh why why did they make sure that they didn't take the thing off of his neck? Were they gonna use that to why that, aren't they doing he, that? Did they? Exp- he had yeah, the, he kept it on and deactivated he had the thing on his it. neck. Yep. Yeah, and then he handed it off to Trip so he could like do something with it. But I don't remember why. I don't. I couldn't remember if it ever came back. If, was it to to find the others, maybe or something? I don't remember. I don't know if they say in this scene why it was happening. Maybe it's a version of the bug gun, or she's like, I just want to know how this thing works. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to have it because then we have it. You know. We'll see. I don't think they say in this episode what they were doing. Um, I think my brain just took it as, oh, they're definitely going to use this to find somebody kind of a thing. Or it's going to turn into a uh, a James Bond device where Archer gets stuck somewhere and he needs to use it for some reason. They probably slipped it into uh, Soong's pocket or something. Yeah. That's how they track oh, sure, the sure. or some shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wonder if the timing works out for that. Grapple John Zorn says, Enterprise is like the cover band of an all-Star Trek series. It continues to deliver an arguably better product than TNG. Let's compare this Spiner vehicle with Nimoy's outing. But it's 15 years too late to impress anyone. While cover bands often provide more polish than the source material, their nature doesn't allow them to have hits of their own. Like a cover band, maybe we should just judge Enterprise's effectiveness on its ability to deliver sentimentality and nostalgia rather than expecting it to sit on the cutting edge. It's nice to see Brent Spiner with something new to do and turning over some old TOS themes with Archer and the gang. While objectively this episode is yet another three in a river of threes, perhaps we should just judge Enterprise for what it delivers instead of bashing it for the heights it fails to reach. This is interesting, but your cover band metaphor is wrong in this sense. If you've ever gone to see a cover band, it's a better performance than the real band at that point in their real band's career, usually. The real band has ceased to care about their old material, and the cover band Mm -hmm. lives for that material. The, the cover bands that I've seen that have played like the Dun Zeppelin, the police and some other things have all been fantastic. They've been like better than any of like real quote unquote real band performances that I've ever seen because of the energies there. Enterprise doesn't have cover band energy to it. Enterprise has no. original well, band energy, I would say. Yeah, I was going to say I was going to say it has cover band energy. It doesn't have tribute band energy. Sure, okay. Tribute sure, oh, sure. Am, am, I, am I confusing? Who, am I uh, mixing <clears throat> mixing uh, band types there, I guess? Yeah. I it, well, I mean, it's a stupid distinction, but Enterprise feels like a Star Trek cover band you would see at a bar mm-hmm. as opposed to a Star Trek tribute band who has all of the shit <laughs> and all of the, uh, the, the pyro and stuff, and they're playing at the House of Blues or something. Yep. Acting, the lead singer is calling himself Captain Archer and insisting that everyone in yeah, the audience. Yeah, exactly. What would yeah? What would what would the Star Trek tribute band be called? Uh, it'd be like this. It'd be one of the pod, Star Trek podcast names that's been taken at this point. Right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I guess I guess maybe uh, maybe Grapple John Zone has a better point there about it. If you're thinking about if he wants to specify a bar cover band. I guess that's fair. Uh, I is it? Are we are we too harsh on what Enterprise is trying to do 
what are they trying to do at this point? At this point, they're not. Yeah, they're not doing really what the original outset of the show was, which is to like be the the prequel show that kind of like fills in the gaps. I mean, I guess they kind of are. Argu- like, arguably, they really... are by connecting to TOS a little bit more here with the augments sure, and sure. Soong and stuff. Um, I well, I, I guess it comes back to our, my point at the start is. When I was watching this with Amy, I think it's fair to be critical of the show. If some, if this is a show that's now built for, you need to be familiar with the material for the, any of this to make sense. Because I think that we're the same yeah. with our coverage of Discovery and Picard. When it's like, this is way too many references. Like if you if you're unfamiliar mm-hmm. with this, what's your incentive to keep watching this show? Because you don't understand any of the references that they're making. I think that's a failure of enterprises season so far if that's what they're going to try to do to just connect things it's not my 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 baseline for a show is that the show should strive to do what it's trying to do and i think enterprise failed badly at that its first three seasons and then its fourth season it's just doing a fan giveaway this is very early but if they continue down this line if it's if it's all sort of connecting to the past that's that feels very fan giveaway we're ge- being canceled at the end of the year type thing yeah yeah and i know i know the the final episode is going to very much feel like they're the grateful dead cover band that for their last show phil less showed up to play with them or something like yeah. that i know that happens yeah um yeah yeah, I don't know. It, I mean, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I I think this episode has a lot more potential than what it, what it ended up being. Because um, I, I agree with you. I also like the... Uh, well, we'll save this. I, I don't know how many more comments there are. But. Yeah, I'll finish the comments. And then um, my, my only sentence is that I liked what this did more than anything in the Zindi arc tried to do. But I, I still didn't think this was like a huge success, you know, but I was more interested in the concept sure. of what they were doing here than the search for the Zindi in any of those episodes, you know, even though I don't think they, yeah. delivered, even though I don't think they delivered on what they could have done in the way that you were just saying. Yeah. I think for me, the, the, the problem is that it, on paper, it looks really good. Yeah. The idea is really good, but like usually Usually I give a lot of slack to stuff like that where it's like, oh, this is a really interesting idea that they just didn't really they didn't they couldn't really ever figure it out, but I give them a lot of points for the idea. <clears throat> um this one I don't know if the idea really made it off the page uh in a way that I could give it extra points for that. Nick the Rat says, Borderland, I miss those bumpy headed Klingons. Holding to Paul up like a toy was ha ha ha. I thought you can't fire weapons while in warp. The suing genetic line must suck. They all look the same. Four out of five. Rayo says, Archie gives Topol a compass and a welcome aboard present, a gift so useless in space I actually found it kind of charming in a dumb way. I also like Topol struggling to be polite over a gift that's totally illogical in nearly every conceivable way. It was a fun character moment. That said, the augments dressing in torn clothing trying to evoke Khan's crew was too on the nose and illogical for me, and the Orion slave market too much of a detour. Delving into the untapped topic of the eugenics war was an interesting and some uh, something a prequel series could take advantage of, so it's puzzling why they mm-hmm. waited until now to tackle the topic. Overall, not a bad idea to return the show to more of a TOS footing. At least the concept holds my interest as a Star Trek fan. Three out of five. The uh, <laughs> I do again. I do really, I do really like the idea that the uh, 
the clothing style for the augments throughout all of history is very, very tied to the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah. Not sure what that says about them. They should just just go minimalist. That would be the just, they all just wear black t-shirts, unripped in black jeans, and just never have to think about what their clothing <laughs> is. That seems the augment. Well, way. then they would be. Uh, isn't that what they? Isn't that basically what they wore in that Deep Space Nine episode where they're all in the uh, uh, mental institute together? Oh, the all statistical improbabilities. Uh, yeah, is yes, that the one you yeah. think where Bashir befriends the the crazy people who are good at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Christian Pouch says, Borderland, I like little moments, like T'Pol is an official commander in getting the compass from Archer. Spiner's pretty good. The augments all look absolutely ridiculous, but I do like Alec Newman as Malak for those for all the scenery he is trying, question mark, to chew. I don't think the augment perspective is particularly interesting, however, as they're pretty much just violent thugs. Soong, however, is more interesting, and I wish they had a chance to discuss his views. You and me both. Alatia Librarian says, Brent Spiner looks like he's having fun, which is admirable when reprising the same role again and again and again. Flox's comments about Chip's southwest southern accent seem like pretty deep knowledge of Earth history for an alien, given how widespread <laughs> slavery point. was. Uh, the costume department, wasn't that soon that oh, Flox yeah, is there talking? Soon, but soon brings it up, but Flox maybe talks about it. Uh, given how widespread slavery was, the costume department outdid themselves by finding a way to use even less fabric than usual on the Orion slave girl this time. Three out of five. They had to make that strap tight to make sure that there was no there was no chance of a wardrobe malfunction on her. Yes, yes, that was a, that was a tight strap. <laughs> Thomas Darnell says Borderland. Good to be done with the Zindi arc and temporal nonsense, and to get down to a little bit of what the show can actually do well. The lawless sleaze of a pre-Federation galaxy really gives us a lens to appreciate prior set later series, similar to First Contact. For the episode, Soong is a very dark character. He's kind of like Harry Mudd, but sinister, very lore. I think it's just a, f- a four, just for the fun. Thank you very much, patrons. Wow. okay. A couple fours in that one. A mix of scores. Some twos, some threes, and some fours, I think. Thank you very much, patrons, for leaving your thoughts. If you want to leave your thoughts, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash thepenskafel, and you can leave them on the post on the Patreon. Clay, on a scale of one to five, what are you going to give Borderlands? Borderland. I think I'm going to give it a two. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say defend yourself, but why a two, I guess? I'm a little bit surprised. Uh, you know, I, for, for all the things I already said, I found it kind of hard to follow. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the, the, the two storylines running parallel, like that stuff is fine, but it, none of it was really interesting. So I didn't think it was worth doing any of that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just, I, it just was a, it was a miss for me. I'll give it a three. I think, I wonder if it's, um. I try not to do it. I mean, I, I think that it's, I do think it's a flawed episode, but it's, I guess it's flaws didn't make it as confusing to me. And as I said earlier, like the fact that I knew soon and I understood this augments thing that they were trying to do, it felt like they were trying to do something that I appreciated. They never really got around to it, but I don't think that it was because of the fact that they screwed up the story in any way. So I'm, I'm just, I think it's just pretty generic to me. Um, the worst part of this episode, I think, is the Orion market aspect to it because I think it's needlessly distracting and it doesn't seem to do anything by the end of where they end up. You know, it's just a 
It's just a jaunt that they go on. Um, yeah, but it, I would agree. I would agree with all of that, but I would also say the same thing about the augment stuff, where they're just bitching at each other sure. and politicking with each other. So those things together for me don't really a great episode make. Yeah, yeah. I'll stick with a three. You can give it a two. That'll knock down the average for us at the end of the season. Um, so that's it. Clay gives it a two. I give it a three. Thank you very much for listening to our coverage of Borderland. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show. That's the best way to do it. Lower Decks continues. Enterprise continues. I think that's it. I have some upcoming... I don't know where we are now, but I think I have some upcoming episodes where I'll be having a guest on uh, to revisit an old episode. So that'll hopefully add a little bit of um, variety or a good way to have the uh, revisits, which are usually on Patreon, go out to a wider audience and to have... Um, kind of a callback to the way that the podcast started, uh, which is having a guest on, but also not interfering with our continuing main show coverage of Enterprise. Uh, so we'll have the two kill two birds with one stone at that point. Gives you guys another podcast episode, and you can hear someone else who might have uh, shockingly different opinions about things like Enterprise than we do. Clay, do someone else from who, Wes? Because <laughs> there seems to be one voice. Maybe someone who wouldn't give this constant. goddamn episode a two. We'll be on the podcast. Oh, so someone, about- <laughs> someone with lower standards. I see. Okay, I see how it is. I see how it is. <laughs> I, what I think the, um, you know, Col- Carbon Creek is the biggest difference we've ever had. I think it's the only episode we've been two away from each other on. I give it a four. You give it a two. Yeah. Okay. I in my head that tracks. I remember Visitor. I, in my head, for some yeah. reason, I remember you giving Visitor a four. Which in my which is not the case. You gave it a five, but did I really? You did, yeah. But and I think that that would be the biggest schism, even though not numerically, because Visitor is potentially like, in my opinion, the best Star Trek episode of all time. So you to give it a four would be like, wow, that's a that's a huge difference of opinion. But you gave it a five. I, that's interesting because I remember I remember having I remember the our conversation being you liking that one a lot more than I did. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm going. So it actually too. kind of surprises me that I actually gave it a five. Maybe Not I just couldn't type in a four. It, I just couldn't bring myself to be yeah. like Clay gave this a five. <laughs> Sounds to interesting it. to me that all of a sudden Wes is looking back on all these episodes that he likes that maybe I didn't like as much, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, let's get someone new on the show to talk about episodes we've already talked <laughs> let's, about, let's talk like about say it. ones that I really liked that I can hire some sort of plant to agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> my cactus with googly eyes will be on the uh, the screen where you are right now <laughs> live from new york um so that's it that'll just that'll come out every once a month or something i think so it's not going to be too constant uh it has been the function of the patreon so if you're interested in past patreon topics where we recovered recovered where we revisited episodes that's the best place to go clay do you have anything you want to say before we're done uh keep checking out rotten horror picture show we got american werewolf in london came out recently we got the invitation that maybe has come out by this point i don't yeah. know what, what week we're in i think it has um badass is still trucking along we've got uh we're almost done with that we've only got three episodes left three of our ep- our episodes left for the season and the series really um and uh yeah coming into september we'll be doing jason goes to hell the final friday for our Patreon coverage of the Friday the 13th series. It's actually it's one final chapter, final Friday. I guess there's only two. I thought there was more 
definitive end subtitles in that series, but I guess there's only two. <laughs> Declarative statement ending with a strong there's two, period. There's two definitive ending subtitles, and there's also two... Um, He'll be back. Uh, return type things. Yeah. Well, uh, new new generation type subtitles. Sure. There's part five, which is uh, the new blood. No, part seven is the new blood. Part five is new something. I forget what it is. What is it's new? Not new nightmare. New- part four is part four is final chapter. Part five is <sighs> new beginning. I think it might be new. Well, I guess I can just look it up. I suppose Friday the Thirteenth. This is a this is a test for the people who sit in uh, to the end of the show. This is the good stuff where, where we, we Google just, topics. Yeah. That <laughs> 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 a new beginning. A part new beginning. Five, Friday the Thirteenth. A new beginning. There you part, go. Friday the Thirteenth. Part Seven. The New Blood. That's so it. So there you go. You guys can check out all that at patreon.com slash the Penske file. I've said it enough. Just go there, support the show. Voyage is coming because of the patrons. And thank you very much. All right, I guess we're done, Clay. That's it. I gave it a two. Clay gives it a three. We'll be back with the next episode, which is... Flip that. I-, I gave it a two. You gave it a three. Correct. Whatever I just said. Listen to it in the Look, right you're way. Just, you're, trying to, you're just trying to influence and misrepresent my votes on this show. I can see... Where this is headed. I don't know why I was so shocked you gave it a two. It makes sense to me. It's not, it's not like it's like a like it's a five and you're giving it a two or something. It's a it's a right. Yeah. It's a pretty average episode. It's Cold Station Twelve is the next one. Cold Station Twelve. Cold Station Twelve. That's the, the <laughs> station that the uh, the embryos were stored at that they were talking about. Is that like Ice Station Zebra? You every every drink just comes with too much ice. There's too much ice in this drink. Um that's it. Thanks very much, guys. We will see you later.